My mind rebels at stagnation. Give me problems. Give me work. Give me the most abstruse cryptogram or the most intricate analysis, and I am in my own proper atmosphere. But I abhor the dull routine of existence. I crave for mental exaltation. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Hosted by Dan Mickle and brought to you by Soul Performance Academy. This is the podcast that answers your questions on mental performance training and takes a deeper dive into the world of performance psychology. You can reach us at podcast at properatmosphere.com or across all social media at 717soul. We look forward to hearing from you and now on to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Proper Atmosphere, episode four. I am your host, Dan Mickle. And this week, we are going to touch on a topic that a few people have actually reached out about. So I'm not going to call out anyone specific, but thank you for all the responses and information. This week, we are going to talk about game anxiety. And a lot of people asking about how they can help their child or even themselves deal with the situation of performance and game anxiety. And this is a really, really big topic. And it's also a space that I work a lot in and it does take a while. So you're not going to find the perfect answer or instant solution in a 15 minute podcast. But what I wanna do is give a little bit of background and some steps to begin with. And hopefully that can help begin your journey a little bit. Uh, overcoming some of these anxieties. The biggest takeaway for me to give to you is anxiety, specifically performance anxiety, is state dependent in the sense that it is based on um, a lot of the things that are going on around the player, the culture, or the team. So the very first thing that we have to figure out when we're working with our performers or our athletes are what is actually causing this anxiety. And it may not be just one category. It may be intermingling, but usually there's a dominant category or a dominant situation that kind of leads to it. So we want to look at is... The anxiety because the player or performer is afraid to fail their team or a parent or relative or themselves, or are they afraid to fail their coach? So we kind of look at those four general areas because when we want to work and try and change and help out an athlete or performer in that space, we kind of need to know what's causing that issue a little bit more. And again, it could be multiple. It could be the parents and the coach or, you know, self or the team. But the reason that we want to look at this and bring is because we can work on the 
client or the performer or the student or our child, you know, whatever that relationship is, we can work on that a lot. But if it's outside factors, we have to work on that as well. For example, if a player is afraid to disappoint their coach, we need to work with the coach to make sure that the environment is conducive to the learning and the growth of those players or that player. Now, I'm not by any means saying that a coach needs to change their whole program or their culture because it may just be a conflict between that particular player and the culture in the gym that doesn't get along. But we definitely want to look at that relationship and see if there are some things that we can maybe tweak or help out. And it could also help other players that aren't as visibly shaken or have as much anxiety Um, as a specific person. A great example in the coaching sense of anxiety and dealing with players that have anxiety is, are you one of those coaches that kind of hides everything that you're doing? And, And I'm not saying that like in a sneaky way. I'm just saying, do you tell your players ahead of time what the practice plan is going to be? And is the practice plan visible during practice? One of the biggest triggers for anxiety, whether it's sport anxiety or anxiety in general, is uncertainty and the unknown. So we want to kind of eliminate that situation from the culture. So maybe you want to send out, hey, this is the general practice plan for this week or this day, or maybe put up on the whiteboard every day at practice, this is what we're going to do. Now that doesn't mean that you can't change it on the fly or make last minute adjustments, but having that framework in place is going to help put your players or your workers, or your performers at ease. They don't want to go into practice or a situation where they don't know what's going on because that's a huge trigger for the anxiety. Same with performances or matches or games. You know, Give those general details of what's going on, especially if you're working with a bench player because the worst thing that we can do is have a bench player that's coming in and contributes to the team, but not know when or an idea. Again, I'm not saying, hey, at exactly 10 minutes, you're coming into the game and I'm going to give you five minutes of play, but let them know, hey, this is the role. I will expect you to hopefully come in during the early part as long as things are in control or we might throw you in if we need you if someone gets hurt. You know, Give them the idea because otherwise they're going to sit on the bench and think of every possible scenario of what's going on and have no idea you know, how how they're going to contribute. So not only do they have the stress of performing and making sure they can contribute with their skill, they now also have the stress of they don't know when or how they're going to have to try and use their skill. So we want to make sure that they're not going blind into practice or blind going into competitions or performances. When it comes to the game anxiety and dealing with a team, This goes into the whole framework of teamwork to begin with, but there needs to be that trust. And uh, we talk about it a lot, right? We we see, hey, we're going to go do rope courses and we're going to do trust falls and we're going to do all this stuff to help build teamwork and bond as a team. But really, the biggest thing that we can do bonding as a team is get to actually know each other. And it varies depending on what you're doing. For example, it's easier for a professional team to bond. One, because it's their job, but you hopefully have a multi-year plan where you can work on it. It's a lot harder, I think, for the club world. A lot of us coach kids for one year, and we're expected to have this great teamwork and chemistry within a year, but we're trying to get everything else done so we don't really work on it too much, and we just hope that it happens. 
that can lead to the anxiety because they're afraid that if they're not performing, the team's not going to like them or they're going to disappoint their team and let their team down. And the key is we have to have those discussions. Let your team get to know each other. Find out what they do on a daily basis. You know, a player may be, and this is going to kind of diverge into the teamwork talk that we'll probably have in a couple weeks, but it, it helps if we know the situation of our teammates. Instead of getting upset that Chris is always late for practice, I now understand that Chris has to help pay the bills and he's working a part-time job to help support his family because a parent's ill and that's why they're late. They're literally going from school to work to practice. So now I have a little bit better understanding of where Chris is coming from and I kind of, we start to build that trust because we start to learn each other. Now, trust doesn't mean that we all have to get along and be best friends, but it gives us the ability to be open and say, hey, this is my opinion. And while we may not all agree with it, we'll at least respect the fact that I have this opinion and we can work it out. But too many times we just throw these teams together and feel like, oh, just the action of practice and competing together will grow them as a team. And that's not really true. It may grow them as a team technically or tactfully in your sport, but socially and mentally, it probably will not. We need to take those times and groom those teams and those players, and that's going to help with the anxiety. And that kind of bleeds into the same with the parents. There needs to be this dialogue and expectation set. And I get it as a parent. We don't really think about it. My daughter just started playing you know, organized sports two years ago, and I just kind of threw it to the wolves, and there we go. We never really had that talk until about halfway through the first year of, hey, this is what I expect as a parent. Like, I just want to come. I want to see you trying. I want to see you dedicated to it. I'm not worried about the outcome. I want to see you each year become a better player and a better person of the world, and that's what matters to me. And and just having that talk, even though it was obviously assumed by both of us that's what we wanted, actually sitting down and having that talk of, hey, this is what I want, or this is what I hope to have happen, it made the conversation and the anxiety for my daughter much better because she knows I wasn't expecting her to play out of her mind every time, and I don't expect her to win a medal every time. Um, I don't expect her to win a medal ever. I mean, that's just icing on the cake. I just like watching her play and watching her grow. But we have that conversation. And it can be kind of tough with me being a coach of the same sport that she's playing. I was very standoffish. Her and I did not work together on the sport at all. And that kind of upset her. And she finally came to me and just said, hey, I wish you would work with me. And I was like, hey, I just wanted to be you know, hands off because I didn't want to be that overpowering coach dad. Um, but I think, again, it comes down to we don't have those conversations. So then the anxiety builds because she doesn't know what to expect. And I don't know what she wants me to do. And we could have just talked about it and solved the whole thing and, and helped with her anxiety. Um, the, the hard one is the self because a lot of times we're really hard on ourselves, and we don't want to disappoint ourselves. And that causes a lot of anxiety. And that kind of goes into why the first step in our mental skills training program at Soul Performance Academy is journaling because journaling is a great way. And this is why I harp on journaling all the time. I know you guys get sick of it, but journaling is a great way for someone individually and privately to have that conversation with themselves and start to really like, this is what I really want. 
and this is how I'm going to gauge it, and this is how I'm going to work towards it, and this is how I'm going to set my goals. And you see, as soon as we start to set those goals and talk about it, we now are in the part where we don't have that uncertainty anymore. And because we don't have that uncertainty, we don't have as much anxiety. There's always going to be some levels of anxieties with it. So what are the main ways that we can cope and deal with anxiety other than the planning? And probably the two biggest ones are the relaxation techniques because we can't really work on anything if we're not relaxed. So I would suggest getting a very simple breathing routine, whether it's triangle breathing, circle breathing, uh, four, seven, eight breathing, you know, whatever you want to call it. And you can look on our website at, at 717soul.com and, and see some things. Um, or you can just Google, you know, breathing techniques. But breathing is a great way just to slow the body down. Because typically when we're having anxiety attacks or starting to get some of that game anxiety, we're going into that fight, you know, that, that fight or flight mode. And we really, really want to switch it back to the rest and digest mode. So we need to calm the breathing down, make it deeper, make it slower, more, you know, rhythmic. And, and what we're trying to do is basically just flush all those chemicals out the body and, and kind of calm us down. That's the first step. Another great way is doing body scans and, you know, a simple body scans, just starting with your head and going down to your toes and just checking in with all those body parts and, you know, how it's feeling and just kind of, again, relaxing. And to go deeper into that thought, I love to do progressive muscle relaxation or PMR a lot with my athletes or my performers. I like going through and having them, you know, flex each muscle and relax it a few times and just kind of get that tenseness out of the entire body. Um, again, that's a great module that we have in our online course that you can learn from and you can go from the 15 minute, you know, quick PMR session to a long 30, 45 minute PMR session. Um, so those are great methods that we can use to also help with that. One of the other methods that I like to use and the reason it's separate from, our standard mental skills training program and separate from how I typically work with clients and athletes is our mindfulness training. And that's because mindfulness as its own is such a big topic and we could literally spend weeks. A matter of fact, my mindfulness program is an eight week program, which is the same as my mental skills training program. Um, but mindfulness is such a big key of dealing with anxiety. So a lot of times I will do them side by side. I'll do two eight week programs uh, on top of each other, the mental skills training and the mindfulness training at the same time to, to kind of, to knock those both out at the same time. But mindfulness helps with the anxiety because it, again, it calms the mind, it calms the thought process because most of the anxiety comes from what we're thinking. It's not so much what's actually going on around us, it's what's perceived going on around us or our perceived thoughts or our dwelling on our past or worrying about the future and, and not getting caught in the present moment in that, you know, quote unquote flow state um, that we try to get ourselves and our athletes and our, you know, performers in. So mindfulness is a huge benefit. So 
you know, if I'm not trying to sell my product, but I would definitely look at some mindfulness solutions if if you have a player that's having really really bad anxiety, um, whether it's sport related, um, or anything like that. Um, mindfulness will definitely you know be a way to help with that. Um, probably the biggest one with mindfulness we like to do an exercise called you know gap thinking and we start out really small 15 seconds 30 seconds and we try and have the the client or the person sit there and not have any thoughts for that amount of time and eventually we try to get it up to two minutes and just sit there and complete awareness of the present and not thinking about the past or the future and one of the things that is kind of a misconception when it comes to mindfulness and thought processing is that we try and suppress those thoughts or we block those thoughts. And really we don't want to even spend the energy doing that. So we recognize, okay, I'm having a thought, but we don't put any time or investment into it. And that's probably the biggest way that we use mindfulness when it comes to performance and uh, athlete anxiety and game situations. So, Again, a great topic that we could spend hours on, weeks on talking about. It is a big part of what we train and what we do. Um, and they all become intertwined, you know, game anxiety and uh, burnout, journaling, goal setting, breathing, relaxation, emotional control. They all become intertwined. So that's kind of why we developed the program that we did. But I hope that this episode kind of gave you at least a starting point. And, and that was my goal from the onset. I'm not looking here to cure anyone or give anyone the fix. What I'm saying is the very first thing that we need to do is step back and look at what might be causing that anxiety and, and have that honest conversation. Is it me as a parent? Is it me as the coach? Is it the team? Is it myself? You know, where's that anxiety coming from? And then we begin to look at, okay, is this a culture thing? Do we need to understand the culture? Maybe we don't even know the culture or the coaching philosophy of our coaches. And that that can be a, a burden on the players. So um, again, I thank everyone that has sent in the question on anxiety. And I'm sure we'll revisit this and talk a little bit more as we get more questions in. Again, this is just kind of a general out there for this proper atmosphere episode please feel free again to send us any questions podcast at properatmosphere.com or you can reach me directly dan at danmickle.com hashtag ask dan mickle hashtag 717 soul uh 717 soul across all social media is another way to get a hold of us but we we love these questions and i love producing these podcasts directly to answer some of these questions so please feel free to uh reach out any way that you know how and hopefully we can help you and we can grow together and and get things rolling for you again thank you check out soul performance academy 717soul.com feel free to check out our sister podcast the mental cast and that's the mentalcast.com across all of itunes Google Play, anywhere that you catch your podcast. It's a great uh, interview sessions with some great minds across all different industries, not just sport, some great doctors and corporate and military, some just really great inter- uh, interviews. And again, that's The Mental Cast. You can check that out on iTunes or anywhere you have podcasts. Again, thank you. Keep those questions rolling. And until next week, this is Dan Mickle. Thanks. Thank you for listening.
listening to this episode of The Proper Atmosphere, hosted by Dan Mickle and presented by Soul Performance Academy. Please send all your questions, comments, or inquiries to podcast at properatmosphere.com or reach out to us across all social media at 717soul. We look forward to answering your questions in future episodes. And remember, you can listen to The Proper Atmosphere on any popular podcast service such as Google Play, iTunes, Pandora, and Spotify. Thank you and have a great day.